Hey everybody, welcome to the Better at Beach Volleyball podcast. We are going to get started in just a minute. Yep, we should be ready to rock. Yep, looks like my mic is all good. We are sound. My hair's not done today, but we'll figure that out. Okay, so... Today, I got an interesting message uh, in my DMs from Michelle, who has been a part of our camps, has also been a member on betterbeach.com from our videos. And here's what she asks. She said, hey, Mark, do you have any quick tips about the best way to learn when watching video? About a month after Bab Camp, my dad got sick, so I stopped playing to take care of him. So sorry, Michelle. Uh, I hope he's doing better. Once he started to improve, I broke my foot in two places working out. And now that I'm in my first week out of the boot, I'm also having surgery next week to remove some breast cancer. Michelle, that is a string of bad luck, and I wish you all the best. Uh, We're sending you prayers and thoughts and everything the best. You're an amazing person. And so I know that this is going to go well for you. Um, and way to stay strong through it. So, uh, so Michelle continues after such an amazing start to the year, I've had a lot of bad stuff come at me. When I first broke my foot, I was working on the wrist pumps for the hand setting from our hand setting course. But honestly, I just started getting down and I stopped doing it. I, Did some upper body stuff for a while after surgery, so I thought maybe I could start getting mentally back into the game if I felt like I was still learning something while watching instead of just zoning out when watching clips. I know that that's a lot for a quick message, but I just wanted to give you some perspective on why I need one little task to get me through while I work towards the light at the end of the tunnel. So Michelle's super bad string of luck, and I think... You know, Michelle, you're not alone. (laughs) You're definitely not alone. We've all had injuries. We've all had sicknesses. We've all had things that get in our way and ruin momentum. And they have the potential to really just stop us in our tracks. But what I want to encourage you to do is not get stopped in your tracks. There is always a way to improve. And today, specifically, we're going to talk about how to improve when you're watching video, and then what other things you might be able to do at home. Unfortunately, I am an expert in injuries because of the history of injuries that I've had. So I've learned how to train around injuries and still how to get the most out of my body, mind, and spirit. So I want to share that with you today, and that's what this podcast is going to be all about. If you guys want to see the video of this podcast, you can watch it on YouTube. If you want to see the podcast version, go on over to the Get Better at Beach Volleyball podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google. Before we get started, we've got a few announcements today for our members. We just released the early bird special for our Christmas and New Year's camps. These camps, the ones that are right after Christmas, in other words, it starts the 26th. Everybody arrives on the 26th. It's in the middle of the week this time, so we did something really special. 
We said, you know what? We still want to be able to utilize that time. We know a lot of people are on vacation and it's a good opportunity. So from December 26th until January, I don't know, the 7th, I think, we are running a shorter camp. So you can come for the five day from Tuesday to Sunday. You can come for the second week, which would be the 31st, I believe, to the 7th, or you could spend 12 days in a row with us just playing volleyball, hanging out with pros, and learning and making friends, and having a blast being athletic all day long. I know a lot of people work now remotely or have the ability to work remotely, so this really is a great opportunity for you guys to get as much volleyball as you could possibly imagine during the winter months right after Christmas. So I would love to see you guys right after Christmas and celebrate the new year with you in St. Pete Beach, Florida at the Postcard Inn. That's where we'll be. If you are in Florida already, and here's the fun part, the same exact thing happened when we started running our stuff in Hermosa. Once we established sort of a location and a community and we started coaching and gathering coaches there, people started moving. We were the the bridge that allowed people to move to Hermosa Beach, Manhattan Beach, Redondo Beach. There was a place where they know they could learn, they could take classes. So the invite was open to them and it knocked down that barrier. And (laughs) dozens of people have moved here permanently with us being their first step. And now we start, we're starting to see that happen in St. Pete beach as well. A lot of volleyball players, current and future stars are moving to St. Pete beach because they know that there's a good, strong community of beach volleyball already there. And we're going to be continuing to run stuff on a regular basis. And a really cool part about that is we are going to have leagues Every Wednesday night, Wednesday night, adult and juniors leagues. Uh, There's not going to be a specific for juniors. We're just going to keep it all in one. But at the Postcard Inn on Wednesday nights this fall, we are starting the league. So please be on the lookout. If you guys want a free drill book just to sign up for our email list, just head to anywhere on our website. And there are a ton of opt-ins that you can get. And if you head over to the free tools section of our website, There is a lot of self-led opportunity there, and you could also test your level. You can test your level of knowledge with rules, with skills and how we coach them, and they give you some video skill tests so that you can actually record some of your skills, and we show you a proficiency standard in different skills and different things in the game to see if you can actually uh, match those. It's sort of like a belt test in martial arts. So head on over to the free tools section of the website to do that. And I think it's time to get started. So Michelle, back to your question. How do we learn beach volleyball or volleyball or sports from film, from video? Like I said, I've had a few injuries and I had to figure out how to get around those injuries. So number one, this is important for all of you coaches and especially for the players. You need to have a bank of video on your own games. 
I can't stress this enough. You are going to run into times in life where you don't have the ability to train, where you don't have the ability to compete, and it's going to kill you that you're going to lose something. And, you know, if you're not improving, somebody else is, right? So you might be falling behind those people in your neighborhood or the people who are on your team or your league. And I want to make sure that you have as many tools as possible so that you're ready for that. You need to prepare for the inevitability of an injury or some time away from the sport where you can still improve, where you can still do other stuff. Okay. So if you're not filming, even if you play socially or you're having fun, you're going to want to see yourself on tape at some point. We say this all the time at camps. Mirrors at gyms, are they for looking at yourself and checking out how swole you are and what your legs look like? Sure. But really, they're there for technique. You should be able to spot yourself in the mirror and take a look at technique. It's also why we have lifting partners. And when you're lifting, you should be filming yourself so that you can check your technique on the way home or uh, when you're back at the gym or in between sets. Volleyball is no different. You should have film of a bunch of matches at minimum each year. If you're pro or you're trying to get to the next level, if you're trying to improve, you film absolutely everything. Some of our cheat codes for filming are just using a private Facebook group. Use an unlisted YouTube channel if you don't want to just share it out there and upload to that. Use the live stream and upload to that so that you don't actually need storage in your phone and you could always rip it off later. Um, you can, there's something called 4K Downloader and you can actually rip videos off of YouTube and some other places just by using that and it happens really quick. But if you don't have those videos, you're a step behind. It's not impossible, but you need to prepare for this because if you don't have videos of yourself, then you're limiting how much you can improve when you do get hurt or you have to be away. Or if you, you know, it's Friday and you know you have the tournament tomorrow, you want that one little extra edge for your match or for pool play or for whoever you're going to play tomorrow. And now because you haven't filmed anything, you don't have anything. You know, I was <laughs> I was always really fired up that some people, some great fans, I remember um, Mission Beach Volleyball, I think that was the name of their page, or South Mission Volleyball, they had a ton of matches from AVP matches and qualifiers filmed. So when I was coming up through the qualifier ranks, not only could I see my own matches because of that, but I could see my opponent's the next day. And I'm telling you this right now, and I know this should be obvious, but video has won me matches. We take a look at other players' tendencies. We take a look at what we definitely don't want to do on our side, and we can learn from that. I hope I made that clear enough. You're filming yourself, right? Like right now, you're already starting to film yourself. You're figuring out how to set it up. The best angle that you can use overall is high, as high as possible, and the back middle of the court. Back middle, high. Don't film from the corner of the court as much as possible. I know that's not always possible, but please 
do not film from the corner of the court. You're really not getting a lot of great looks or angles uh, or, or useful views for your game. So high in the back middle. Some other angles that you might want to consider are sideways on the court. The things that a sideways view are going to show you, if you're a blocker, it's going to show you if you're actually penetrating on the block. If you're working on your attacking, it's going to show you the distance of your approach. If you're working on defense, it's going to show you how close you might be getting to the net. But if we set that high back middle view uh, well enough, you should also be able to see the depth of your defense from there and the depth of your approach from there. But it's really nice to have a few side views of your game when you're working on attacking and when you're working on defense, because we really want to see that. If you're looking at passing, this is tricky because you'd like to have a view of a side front view of yourself so that we can see what your hands look like and how far your hands are from your hips. Okay, So absolute best overall view for recording your matches is as high as you can in the middle, back middle of the court. Next, for very specific things, we do uh, we go to a full side view. And if you're really looking at passing, then if we can see a little bit of the front of your body, so we see your hand shape and if they're coming together too early and what your elbows are doing during your passing, that's going to be really good for you. Okay? But that should take care of all the view questions because we actually get that a lot. Hmm. Now, what do you look for? when you're watching film. And if you don't know, I know we run a lot of camps, clinics, and classes, but the future of our company is built on the fact that you can improve immensely from watching film and having somebody guide you through your film. Okay. That is what our online program is about. Especially during COVID, we said, hey, now we're just going to introduce the world to what we've been doing the whole time. During the winter, what what do a lot of AVP and World Tour players do? You watch film on yourself. You watch your matches. You watch your opponents. You start trying to pick up little tendencies, figure out what you have to change. Okay. And when we started all of our online programs, we said, this is exactly what we're going to bring to everybody. We just hope everybody's as interested as we were as pros or coming up to the pro status to be able to do it. And they are, we've got um, close to 500 members right now. And not everybody is utilizing the program as well or as um, enthusiastically as they should be because they have the opportunity. If you're a member, you have the opportunity to film everything at every moment and record it. And the more that you actually post in our group, the more we get to coach you because we coach you through the comments and we see what course you want to take attacking, setting, passing, serving defense, uh, as well as our 60 day vertical course and our mobility course. But we also coach you through your match film. So we introduced everybody to This is how we learn when you don't have a coach near you. There's not a trusted coach in your environment, or you just don't know where to find them, and you wish you had an idea of where you needed to stand, who needed to be where. So we started doing a lot of those video analyses of the pro matches, and then we started adding on our members' video analysis, and it goes well when you do it right. 
So I'll take you back to a couple of injuries that I've had that knocked me out for a little while and the improvement uh, that I had to go through. So I had a shoulder injury that knocked me out of my indoor season for a while, but I knew that my next year I was going to play beach during that summer. And by the time I got ready, I wouldn't be back for an indoor season. So I just need to prepare immediately for my beach season. Okay. I had a shoulder surgery and we talk about how to train around your injuries. Now, Michelle, having a foot injury and having uh, breast cancer surgery, you are absolutely limited. And I understand, I understand that. <laughs> when I had my shoulder surgery, I started lifting my legs real heavy and I started testing my core and I started doing planks with a lot uh, of weight on my back. I was doing like held planks, which I don't recommend for anybody anymore. Um, but I ended up developing a sports hernia where a part of my, uh, a part of my abdominal ripped from my pubic bone. A small part, but it was enough to feel like somebody was jabbing a knife into my front side uh, anytime I coughed or laughed or did a sit up or rolled out of bed. <laughs> Got pretty rough for a little while. So now I'm like, all right, well, my legs were getting super strong. I was doing the right thing by training around an injury because you never just stop. And I will give you a little bit of science here. Uh, when you have an injury to one side, a unilateral injury, so imagine like you hurt your right shoulder, continue to lift with your left side. People think that you will end up off balance or too big or too strong on one side, and then you won't be even. And that's actually false. Your body recovers quickly and you get back to your max strength way faster if you continue to train the one side that is not injured. So your injured side, when it's ready to come back, will get to strength way faster. And a lot of that has to do with our neural pathways and the musculoskeletal system and the nervous system. Okay. Most people also don't know that your brain can't really identify strong differences in if you're imagining a skill or if you're actually performing it. And this has been proved in a number of studies because we know, what do we know? That visualization works. Why does visualization work? Number one, it gives you, yeah, okay, it gives you confidence, but you're actually training neural pathways in your brain and in your nervous system to do something correctly, to do it the right way, especially if you know what that technique feels like. So when we imagine going through these skills, going through these series, you are improving. So visualization means a lot. So when we think about an injury, number one, if you can't, if your whole body's injured because you just got hit by a truck and you got shattered bones, I'm deeply sorry. It's awful. Keep visualizing your workouts. Keep visualizing how you play. Keep visualizing yourself at the top of a podium, of course, but more importantly, the skills. Go through in your mind, close your eyes, see a serve coming. Try to get to that serve using good footwork. Feel the pass, feel the sensation of it in your arm, on your arms, and how much you're lifting the ball and getting it up to your setter. And then feel the motion of you getting into your hitting zone 
and then taking your approach, seeing the defense and opening up for a swing or a shot. It will pay dividends. It's been proven again and again and again in studies. And so you need to take advantage of it because it's free, free training. Okay. And it doesn't take much. You can do it while you're waiting at stoplights. You can do it while you're sitting in bed. Okay. Uh, Better to be doing that than scrolling through Instagram and watching somebody else perform a technique. Because if you're watching somebody else perform a technique, you're not imagining yourself do it. So actually visualizing can be if you're if you're not in a learning phase, right? Uh, or you're not learning what's going on in these videos on an Instagram reel or on a YouTube video. If they're not teaching you what's happening or what you should be doing, then don't just watch highlights. Make your own mental highlight reel, and that will help you start to improve. Right? And if you injure one side, work out the other side. Do that. Stay in shape for as long as you can. And I know that it gets very difficult. Like if you've got a broken foot, you know, what can I do? Yeah, you can still do some quad extensions. You can still do some single-legged glute bridges. Okay, we need to keep our core and our muscular system activated and prepped for work. And then I promise the other side will recover and get back to max strength faster. Plus, you're also still releasing all of those good hormones when you're working out. You're still releasing that uh, human growth hormone that's actually going to help keep your muscle density, okay? And you're keeping your bones strong because of everything that gets released throughout your body. So, bah, when you're injured, find a way to continue to work out and find a way to visualize. Now, let's get into the video stuff. If you haven't, if you're watching our YouTube channel, thank you. you you've got to know it. But if you are listening to our podcast, you're on our Instagram, and you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, we have hundreds of videos up there that teach you what to do. They show you what to do. We have even more in our library on betteratbeach.com when you become a member. And the advantage of becoming a member is that once you post your videos to our private Facebook group, we then coach you for that extra step. If you become an elite member, then we get two hours of meetings every week so that we can actually dive deep into your questions. Okay. So if you haven't taken a look at our YouTube channel, please, please go subscribe. If you're not actually subscribed to this podcast right now or you're listening, Please give us a like, give us a follow, give us a rating, a five-star. Guys, it goes way longer or way farther than you think it does. Okay. Now, when we're watching matches, I'll go back to that injury that I had where I had my shoulder and then I busted up my, uh, I had a, a sports hernia. It's not actually a hernia, but it's a sports hernia. Okay. So now I had my left arm. <laughs> available to train and I actually wasn't allowed to test my core very much because I got some netting in there. So I just looked at my favorite player, the guy who was dominating at that time who I thought, you know, athletically, I think I could match that. And for me, that was Todd Rogers. Your first your first responsibility when you're thinking about watching film to learn or you become a student of the game, is we should become fans of people. Sure, I, I actually want you to become fans of people, but you should become a student of one or two players that look 
and move like you do. Somebody that has similar physical attributes, right? For me, um, maybe a guy like Troy Field is not a guy that I watch because that guy skies. He's fun to watch, but he jumps a lot higher than me. We have very different arm swings. He's got a goofy foot approach. So, I, you know, that's not the type of athlete that I watch. Do I watch Andy Mole and Phil Dauhauser? Absolutely not. These guys are 6'9", again, have big, stronger verticals. They have the ability to do things at a higher level uh, than I do, and it's not the same build, so you're not comparing apples to apples. Like Even if I saw him make a certain play, I might, I don't know if I'm capable of making that play because I don't have the extra seven inches that Phil has, uh, plus vertical, plus uh, standing reach. So I needed to find Todd Rogers. He was my guy, and I watched so many matches of him. And I stopped watching the ball. When you guys are watching film, you should not be watching the volleyball. You should be watching the bodies, and you should keep your finger on that space bar or that pause and play button so that you can slow things down and see where people are and when. One of the things I really like to do is I like to hit that pause button on every ball contact. So when the ball contacts a player, you know, on the first pass, click that space bar. Where is everybody? Okay. Where is the defender on the other side when the team is receiving a serve? Where is the setter for the high-level teams when their partner is receiving the serve? A lot of you are running to the net and sprinting there, and you will see pro matches and understand that the best players in the world are a single step out of their serve-receive position when their partner's receiving a serve or touching the serve-receive. Okay? But we're not getting too much into tactics today. So pause on set contacts, or, or all contacts. Pause again on the set. Where's the hitter? How far is this person from their setter? How far are they from the net? What step of their approach are they on when the setter is about to touch the ball, touching the ball, releasing the ball? Most athletes will be on their right step or the first step of a four-step approach right around the time that the setter is contacting the ball. That is a pretty good timing step. Some athletes take it a little bit later. Almost every beach volleyball pro is on at least a four-step approach. Some of them are on a five or six. It is very rare to see like a standing slow-motion three-step approach at a high level in beach volleyball. So my recommendation to you, it's not against the rules, but my recommendation to you is start that rolling momentum and open up your four-step approach. Okay. Next, hit that space bar when the hitter is contacting the ball. Actually, I would hit it in two different phases. I would hit that space bar when the set is at its peak, and then I want to look at where the blocker is, where the defender is on the other side. What types of moves are they consistently doing? Okay. Um, and then, I, of course, I would look at where everybody's positioned during the hit 
contact. Okay, so using that spacebar and then reviewing it and reviewing it and reviewing it and reviewing it. If you have your own film, best thing to do, pause when your person passes, right? Your favorite fan, uh, the person who you're looking to as a model, pause when they pass, okay? On your film, just split screen it, open up two tabs, press the pause button when you're passing. On another point, when your partner is passing, hit the pause button, right? To see where you are, hit the pause button for your person and really look for close differences, okay? If you want help with this, that's what our member program is for. So again, betteratbeach.com forward slash coaching. We can guide you through all of this, but if you're on your own and you want to do it on your own, then this is what you do, okay? You're looking for these minute differences, okay? You should be trying, and here's a weird piece of big homework. See what shots are your person's most successful shots, right? Take a look and say, hmm, does he hit this swing more than others? And if you start to only focus on your attacker instead of all the others, then you more easily build this mental database of what types of swings they take. And I'm telling you right now, on day one, when I came back, my first day of playing, I won points, multiple points in one set in my first practice match because of one play that I saw Todd Rogers doing on a regular basis. But if I had just paid attention to a whole bunch of different players or different actions during that time, I wouldn't have picked up on this. But because I was only paying attention to him, I got it. On tight sets, I'll give it to you. On tight sets, Todd was 6'2", maybe 6'3", depends, okay? But we're facing bigger blockers. On tight sets, a lot of people joust or try to avoid the block. They get really scared. They either shrink, they drop their elbow, or they just really try to carve a cut shot around that person. Uh, They get shorter, and they get weaker, and they get less confident. Todd did something really interesting that I saw in a few matches. When he got a tight set, knowing that it was tight and knowing that the blocker's hands were there, he swung through the volleyball as if he was trying to use the volleyball to break this person's arm. So in other words, when he hit, he didn't just hit and stop at the face. He kept, if you imagine that there's a volleyball in the way, but you're trying to swing your arm, to break somebody's forearm, right? Or to push them away from the net. This isn't a push. This is a swing. Because when you push, there's a good chance that you lose the joust. Usually somewhere around 50-50, okay? And you're definitely weaker because there's not as much force. But if you swing through this ball and you make sure that you continue to swing long through the ball so that you're knocking that person's arms back and you're actually blowing their arms back with the strength of your arm through the ball and into their arm, They just get knocked over unless they're extremely well-built and pushed. So Todd would get his feet there on the tight set and just hammer through a ball to almost knock the blocker over instead of trying to hit through the block like we normally might think. And he kept winning these against monsters. And on day one out in Huntington Beach, I was facing a 6'9 blocker, lucky me, and tight set, hammered straight through him. 
I was like, ha ha ha, I won that point because of film. Second time it happened. Third time it happened. I won every point. That practice that was a tight set against a guy who is way bigger than me because of a technique that I learned by studying one athlete and how he got himself out of this jam. But if I cycled watching through a bunch of different athletes, I wouldn't have picked up this favorite play. I needed to see a few hundred of Todd Rogers side outs. Okay. And you guys can do the same. So your homework is uh, for sure. Find an athlete that you love, that looks like you, that moves like you, that you think you have similar physical qualities. Okay. Uh, if you don't have it, start asking people in your circle, go on volley chat in Facebook group and say, I'm this tall. I have a small or a medium jump. I really like hitting cut shots. Can anybody think of players on the AVP or FIVB that are similar to this? And our people will help you out. Trust me. So you've got a bunch of film on yourself, hopefully, because you're prepared for it. You've picked one athlete and you've studied them and you're not watching the ball. You are watching their matches and how they're reacting. You're hitting the space bar a lot so that you can say, wait a second, why did they do that? What did they see? What are they looking for? Where are they positioned on the court? as this happens. Okay. The more you do that, the more you can start to say, start to challenge the ideas that you might have had. Okay. And you start to see a lot of things that some coaches or lots of coaches are still preaching that players are not doing. This comes about like, I was taught that I need to keep my hands apart, that I need to separate them, keep them outside my shoulders, and that if I have a pass, a ball off to my side, my right hand stays at shoulder level, and then I bring my left hand to it because otherwise if I rotate with a platform or if I put my hands together too early, I will shank a ball behind me. This fallacy runs rampant through volleyball, and it doesn't exist at the high level. No player leaves their hand at shoulder height and then brings the other one to it. Even when you get the elite liberos to try to do it, as soon as you put them in regular motion, they build their hands right somewhere between their thighs and then they glide their platform behind it. Okay. We don't want to twist and stay upright, but this is more about shoulder angles. I don't want to get into that too much, but this is where I learned like, wait a second. Nobody that I'm watching that is an elite player is leaving their hands apart until the last second, like so many coaches have told me. I would see Sean Rosenthal, I would see Todd, I would see uh, Billy Allen all gathering their hands together on the contact of the attack and definitely before the ball got to the net when they were in serve-receive. And it took me just, you know, just a bare couple hundred hours of slow motion film to say, all right, I'm done with this. I've found my own way. And then I talked to some of the Olympic coaches and the gold medal coaches uh, who had similar thoughts. They're like, yeah, that doesn't really happen. Okay. So pausing it, slowing it down, picking your athlete and doing it like that is going to help you as any exercise that you can do, you do it. Anytime you can visualize in exercise, feel in your mind that there's weight and so that your brain starts or maintains those pathways, okay? Talk to yourself. If you're injured, 
Talk to yourself the right way. Okay. Build yourself up. Tell yourself every day that you're getting stronger and that you are stronger. And then here's a big thing. Say to yourself every day, I'm healthy. I'm strong. I'm athletic. I've fallen into those injury depressions where you just consistently tell yourself what you can't do and how weak you are, and you fall into bad depressions and bad confidence situations, and then your body starts to convince itself that it's weak and that it's injury prone and all of this, and it's a bad place to be. So you need to get some daily mantras telling yourself that you're strong, athletic, healthy, and you have an ironclad body, okay? Remind yourself of that so that it gets stronger and your mind and your brain get stronger. Now, is there anything else I can think of about the right way to watch film? Side by side, lots of space bar, picking one athlete and seeing what they what they do over time consistently. And then if you have a second one that looks and moves like you, seeing what they do and how they win certain points. And then you have to imagine again and visualize yourself in those same situations to be able to do it. If you're lucky enough to have film, Start taking stats, and here's a quick and easy way to take stats. Let's just go by attack attempts, attack errors, and kills. So hitting percentage or attack percentage, you take the amount of attempts. So um, we're going to write three columns in a page. One of them is going to be a column for K. One of them is going to be a column for E, which is error. Anytime you get blocked or you hit into net or out of bounds. and we're just going to do a C, which I'm going to use as continuation ball. When you attack for a kill, you put a hash under the K. When you make an error or you get blocked, you put a hash under the E column. And when you spike a ball or send it over the net and the play continues because the other team dug it, then you put a hash under the C or continuation ball. By the end of the match, you should have a whole bunch of hashes. You take that total attempts, so the total of all three of those, okay? And then you divide that total, or sorry, um, you take your kills minus your errors, okay? You subtract your errors from your kills, Okay, and then you divide that by your total attempts, divide kills minus errors over total attempts, and you have your hitting percentage. And you should start seeing piece by piece where your hitting percentage is, and now you're starting to set goals because you want to be, um, let's just call it five, uh, 5% higher. How does that sound? So instead of hitting 250, let's see if you could hit 300. All right. Or instead of 25%, let's see if you can hit 30%. All right. And start seeing where, where you are in terms of your hitting percentage and learning how to take stats. And that way you're starting to build up all of these things that you can set goals for later. Okay. So you can set goals by keeping stats too. If you guys need help with this, if you want help with this, this is what we do. Um, and of course, because we have all of these members, you get to see in our Facebook group and in our elite member meetings that we're coaching and we're working with other athletes, which means that 
you'll learn from their mistakes. The same way that I learned how to win certain points from watching Todd Rogers. If you're in our online group, you will see one of the members that's about your level or plays a certain way and it reminds you of yourself. And then you'll say, oh, I don't want to make make that mistake either. So maybe more than half of the benefit in being in one of these coaching groups is that other people ask good questions. Other people get into scenarios that you get into, but you didn't think to ask. And now you can improve because you saw somebody else get coached on it. And uh, a, a lot of advantages that way. So Michelle, to answer your question, well, I hope I answered your question about the best way to watch film and, and how to prepare. Uh, get an expert eye. Make sure that you're filming even when you're not injured. Find a favorite player. Hit the pause button and the rewind button a lot. Take stats on yourself. And visualize, visualize, visualize. Okay? If you're injured in one part of your body and your physical therapist okays you training some of the other parts, or she says, or they say, no, there's no harm in doing that, great. Uh, One thing about physical therapists, they are like any other industry. Not every physical therapist is a genius or an expert. They might have just gone to school and they're doing what they do at a minimum or an adequate level. Okay. I always try to hunt down great physical therapists. And I do that by asking how many athletes, what teams, what athletes do I know that this person has worked with? If you are a physical therapist, you might have the bulk of your clientele because of the neighborhood that your business is in or, or whoever you get enlisted as patients. Maybe you're always working with 60 and 70 year olds. So your success is getting them back to function, which means they can walk again. That's a success. As opposed to what an athlete or an athletic person wants is, I want to be at max performance as quickly as possible. And then I want carried performance after that. So I'm not carrying any of the weight of my previous injuries. So don't get me to the point where I can put my dishes back in the cabinet. Get me to the point where I can do my one-arm push-ups again, or I can launch myself off the ground after I dig a shot, and then I can get up and swing at it. There's a huge difference in those two types of physical therapists. So find your experts and lean on them. And, uh, you know, for our, for our medical system, I would just say, see if you can shop for physical therapists and, and really hunt them down. And it, you might have to travel further to see some great ones, but it'll be worth it because they might solve a problem for the rest of your life. The stuff that you learn in physical therapy, if you pay attention, can really change the rest of your life and equip you uh, to be healthy for a very long time. Okay, that is all we have today. I hope you guys come to a camp there in Florida. We're also going to try to run some in Phoenix, in Seattle, in Cincinnati, and uh, please, oh, and Ozark. So if you guys are on our email list, awesome. You should see that stuff coming. If you're not, You get a free drill book, our 36 favorite drills, just for signing up. And we have a number of free tools that you could find on our site. And I really do encourage you to take our rules quiz, our beach volleyball rules quiz, because every day in our Facebook group, we're getting asked the same questions. And we have very generous AVP and FIVB referees who are continuing to ask these questions. So if you want to test your knowledge, 
please go and take our rules quiz, which is under the free tools section of our website. Okay. That's it. Go volley on, everybody. Bump set and spike your little hearts out. Uh, and wish us luck at the AVP Manhattan Beach this weekend. I will be coaching two teams there, uh, Logan Weber and Hagen Smith and Travis Maywooder and Jake Dietrich. And I might be helping a couple of my buddies out through the qualifier section, but we will have a tent there. So if you want to stop by, say hi. We're going to have a bunch of swag as well that you can purchase. So would love to see you there. Cool. Have a good one. I'll see you on the sand.